Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Yo, what is up, my dudes? How you guys doing? It's me, Nick. It's Nick's Nerd News. Weird that I have to repeat that, right? I mean, so strange how podcasts work, isn't it? Well, well, today is May 31st. We've reached the end of May. The year is almost halfway over. And, you know, it's it's uh, time flies by at an amazing pace, doesn't it? Especially when you're older. When you're young, it's like, oh, it feels like forever. But, I mean, as you get older, it's like, whoa, things are going exponentially fast. Well, I have nothing to follow up with that. Uh, I was just making a point, I guess. Anyway, how you guys doing? Doing good? You playing games? You watching movies? Spider-Verse comes out this week into... No. Beyond the Spider-Verse? No, that's the next one. Um, what's this one? I don't even remember the name of this damn movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm going I'm gonna go see it, though, of course, uh, this upcoming weekend. What, what is it... Uh, this is, um, anyway, I beat two video games this weekend after, you know, dragging my ass on, on a few of them because it takes so long sometimes to beat games these days. I don't get to play as often as I'd like to. And, well, hopefully I'll be able to get to my backlog before the next big game comes out. What, uh, I, I might jump into Diablo 4. I haven't decided yet. Um, <clears throat> I can't, uh. I can't really devote a lot of time to that, but we'll talk about that a little bit later today, obviously, with it coming out soon, and what else is going on? Oh, yeah, you know, just casually three new Spider-Man movies were announced today, we'll talk about that, and what else is going on? Did you guys like the end of Succession this weekend? Do you guys watch Succession? I know Barry ended as well. Uh, I need to catch up on Barry. I think I watched like half of the first season, but that is going on, and... Did you guys like watch Fast X? Did you listen to my review last week? Just wondering. I don't. You guys can't literally answer me. I wish there was a way. Anyway, oh wait, there is. If you follow us on social media, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Hey, look at that, the big ones. Uh, I'm on TikTok. That's where I post stuff. You guys can interact with me there. Search for Nixner News or the Nick DeFalco. Either one, they both work. You know, that's where you guys can find me or the podcast while you're at it. Also. Check out the website. We have a website, nixnerdnews.com. And, you know, on that website, you can actually listen to the show live. Well, not live. I don't know why I said live. Live doesn't exist yet. But you can listen to the show in your browser. And while you're there, check out links to our Spotify page, our iTunes, Apple Podcasts page, our Google Podcasts page, Amazon Music. We're on iHeartRadio. And... I think we're on a few others that I don't personally put there, but they just appear there. I don't know how it works sometimes. I just put it on the places I know it's going to be, and that's for you guys. So I'm happy. I'm hoping you're listening. And uh, wel welcome in. Welcome back. And before I start rambling about things that don't really matter, let's get to what's going on in the nerd news world, shall we? So, what's going on in the video game world, huh? Let's talk about it, shall we? So, 8-Bit Doe, who makes some of the best accessories, in my opinion, for gaming consoles, have announced a new, kind of like do-it-yourself upgrade kit for old N64 controllers. It's, uh, essentially it's a new mod kit, and that way you can turn it into a wireless gamepad, which is pretty awesome. It is the uh, 8-Bit Doe Mod Kit, and you can turn it into a Bluetooth controller, meaning you can use it on Switch and Android. Uh, it has half-effect joystick and a rumble pack, so all that. It will retail uh, USB-C. Hold on. Let's see what it retails for. $39.99. That's pretty dang cheap. Um, that's, that's really cheap, if you ask me. 
for a mod kit. It uh, essentially comes with like a little circuit board that you replace it in, um, that you replace in the controller. It connects with USB-C, which is great. It's already sold out, which I'm not surprised there. Uh, it has different joysticks. They have three different options. And uh, so the half-effect joystick, which is a smaller joystick, it's, uh, it allows you to extend the life of the joystick. So essentially it, it, a new joystick with a new motor inside and everything for that. Rumble pack, easy to do. Solderless, which is great, especially if you don't like to use solder. But it is sold out, but it is available now. If you guys have old N64 controllers, you want to repurpose. So last week we reported on Pokemon Home support being announced and then delayed. Well, it's officially live. You can now add Pokemon to and from Scarlet and Violet to Pokemon Home. I'm going to check the app myself actually just to double check and make sure the Pokedex was updated. So it's going to be real quick. Yes, I agree. Yep, the app's been updated. I can I can promise you that based on it asking me if I agree to the terms and conditions. Um, I guess they added, like I said, some other things. Oh, hold on, it's downloading data, which I don't understand. If it updates, why does it need to download data? Anyway, Pokemon Home Support is now live for Scarlet and Violet. You can transfer. I'm guessing you can't transfer every Pokemon um, back from... You know, from Scarlet and Violet, like, obviously you can't put, like, the new Mons in in there. But you can uh, put old ones, but certain moves won't transfer. I don't know if it's just because my Pokedex isn't full right now. But as of right now, it ends at 9.05, which it... Oh, no, Paldea Pokedex is there. Okay, we're good. Updates there. Um, so... That means you can start wonder trading with the Paldea Pokemon, which is great. So if you've been holding out on playing the second game like I have, so I, I have both. I've only played Scarlet. Uh, if you've been holding out on playing like Violet or something like that, if you got both because you're waiting for home, now's your chance to do so uh, as they are compatible with home. Remedy has announced that Alan Wake 2, despite saying it would be a physical-only release, has partnered with some to release a PC version of the game. So, which is weird. PC, if anything, PC games don't get physical releases anymore. Console games do. It's interesting to hear vice versa. But Alan Wake 2, if it does get a physical release, it would be PC before anything else. The European Union's uh, Economic Commission was doing was releasing reports. Obviously, they they recently approved the Activision Microsoft merger deal uh, in the face of the UK, but they have announced that uh, in the European Union, at least, PlayStation sells four times more consoles in X than X four times more consoles in Europe than Xbox. So, which is, I mean, I'm not surprised. Sony has always had a strong footing there. So, one of the reasons they approved the deal was because um, both companies' presence in Europe wasn't high enough to warrant concern, apparently. So, quote, the overall market share for Microsoft and Activision was generally low in Europe. It was only when you look at the specific segments, like shooter games, that you get to above 20%. And for consoles, Sony sells about four times more PlayStations than Microsoft sells Xboxes. With this context... We did not think the merger raised a vertical issue, quote-unquote. So, obviously, you know, Xbox and, and certain games probably don't sell big in Europe. Um, Xbox, of course, is a traditionally American console. It has always sold much better in the U.S. and parts of Latin America and South America compared to, you know, the rest of the world. So, it, it, it makes sense that Europe... Europe's always had a strong uh, PlayStation... I don't want to call it a bias, because that's a, a, a weird term to throw around in this case. Uh, obviously, Sony's been around a lot longer. PlayStation's been around a lot longer. And PlayStation always had more European-friendly games um, than, say, maybe, you know... I, I don't want to say Xbox, because Xbox has a great working relationship with a lot of the major, major uh, stakeholders in Europe in terms of video games, but... 
uh, maybe compared to like Nintendo in the past. So it makes sense. Um, so how about this? The Last of Us multiplayer game that Naughty Dog was hyping up for quite a while may have been delayed um, via Bloomberg. Uh, the, the, the report that, that Naughty Dog put out said, quote, the quality and long-term viability, uh, unquote, is, is uh, being questioned, right? Uh, they also said, quote, a small group remains on the project while the company reevaluates the direction, unquote. These are from Bloomberg quotes. So <laughs> Naughty Dog apologized for not being ready to show off the game. Um, their exact tweet says, quote, we know many of you have been looking forward to hearing more about our Last of Us multiplayer game. We're incredibly proud of the job our studio has done thus far, but as development has continued, we've realized what is best for the game is to give it more time. Our team will continue to work on the project as well as our other games in development, including a brand new single-player experience. We look forward to sharing more soon. We'll great, we are grateful to our fantastic community for your support. Thank you for your passion for our games. It continues to drive us. End quote. So, if you're not aware, that's industry speak for the game is not doing well. Um, we're cutting back to the team and don't expect this game to come out anytime soon. So, it looks like whatever they thought they had isn't panning out, which props to them for being a little more transparent than some other studios might be. But if you hold out hope for a Last of Us multiplayer game, all I'll say is don't hold your breath. That's all I'm going to say in regards to that. Um, the developers behind the most recent Lord of the Rings Gollum game that came out, which apparently is getting lambasted um, and is broken, from my understanding, they even came out and apologized. Like, no, don't apologize to gamers, but apologize for the shoddy work you did, if anything. It looks like, so they're called Datalik Entertainment. It looks like they apparently might be working on another secret Lord of the Rings game. So the their code name for it is, quote-unquote, It's Magic. Uh, this was found on the Federal Ministry for Economic Affairs and Climate Action of Germany, um, which I guess they have to report to that. And uh, via their quote, it says, quote, transport the player into a lush world full of mythical creatures and magic, unquote. It's set within the Lord of the Rings universe. And it's, uh, wow, they got money from the, the German government to work on, on Golem. I wonder if it will also go to its magic. But if, if it's anything like the Golem game, it, it's going to crash and burn. Because Golem, I heard, is just, it, it's not good. Not good at all. Will Ferrell is joining a new biopic. It is going to be based on... Madden NFL, uh, of all things, but he's playing John Madden. I, I don't understand if this is a Madden NFL movie or if it's a movie about Madden, but David O. Russell will be directing, and it will, via deadline, uh, Amazon is distributing the movie with MGM. It says, quote, uh, no, hold on, that's not right. Uh, don't listen to me on that just yet. So, David O. Russell's worked on some great movies, um, but I'm, I'm very still concerned about this idea of it being a movie about NF, Madden NFL, or if it's about Madden, I, it's, it's, uh, not clear, but it's going to be called Madden and I, oh, maybe it's about his time getting the game made. I, one of the things, I don't know. Let me, let me look, let me look deeper here. Okay, so it will be about him being a coach and then also with Madden NFL and working on TV as well. So I, I guess that's how it ties into Madden NFL. When I saw headlines where it was like, Madden NFL movie, I'm like, wait, what? That's just a movie about football. <laughs> Makes no sense. But anyway, I'm going to watch it. It's Will Ferrell, Madden. I'm in. You sold me on it. Diablo 4 comes out later in June. And Blizzard has announced that the first, what they're calling hardcore players, to reach level 100 on hardcore mode, and if you tweet it with the hashtag Diablo4Hardcore with proof, 
you will be immortalized on a statue of Lilith in the game. So they quoted, quote, think you can cheat death? Reach level 100 on hardcore mode and tweet hashtag Diablo4Hardcore with proof to have your username immortalized on a statue of Lilith, unquote. So the first thousand players will get their name on a statue. I thought they were going to have like their player character or something like that. So uh, if you die in hardcore mode, it is a permadeath. And it will delete the character as well. But, like I said, if you beat it and reach level 100, you will get to be on it. Uh, it also follows up with, quote, offer limited to first 1,000. Restrictions apply. Get started June 1st, quote, unquote. So, you have to, uh, like I said, in the terms of conditions, you have to tweet it. You have to have your battle net battle tag. And you'll also have to have the tempered champion in-game title. But you get that when you reach level 100. Um, early access again launches tomorrow and the first thousand names, uh, if they're gathered, uh, it will end when the first thousand names are gathered or by September 1st, if fewer than a thousand players reach it. The only other thing though, it does not apply to like streamers and reviewers because obviously they get access to the game a little bit earlier, uh, or they can, you know, spend hours as their job playing the game. So if you're a streamer, doesn't necessarily count. If you're a regular dude, you have an opportunity. So, recently, Nintendo sent out a decease and desist order to Steam in regards to the Dolphin emulator. Which, if you're unaware, the Dolphin emulator is one of the most popular emulators out there uh, to play GameCube games. And it was recently launched on Steam. I think you could get it, uh, not, not exactly legally, in other places of the internet. But Nintendo issued their cease and desist as it, quote, harms development and ultimately stifles innovation, unquote. I don't know about you, but an emulator for a system that came out over 20 years ago, um, I don't know how that stifles development and harms innovation. Like, I, that doesn't make any sense. No new games are coming out for the GameCube. People want to be able to play those games. And uh, this is via Kotaku. Nintendo says, quote, Nintendo is committed to protecting the hard work and creativity of video game engineers and developers. This emulator illegally circumvents Nintendo's protection measures and runs illegal copies of games. Using illegal emulators or illegal copies of games harms development and ultimately stifles innovation. Nintendo respects the intellectual property rights of other companies and in turn expects others to do the same, unquote. So, um, yeah, that's really, uh, it makes no sense. I get it. I get the intellectual property part, right? But, but an emulator is, it's really not hurting anyone. And most games on the GameCube are in the resale market. And last time I checked, I don't think Nintendo gets a cut of games on the resale market. I'm just going to say that. And uh, the Dolphin emulator team released their own statement saying, quote, We were notified by Valve that Nintendo has issued a cease and desist citing the DMCA against Dolphin's Steam page and have removed Dolphin from Steam until the matter is settled, unquote. So it, it's interesting. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, it, it's it's strange. Uh, obviously, there's a huge market for it, enough for it to be on Steam. I think Nintendo should take note of that, considering, yes, they put a lot of other games on their virtual console. They don't have a GameCube virtual console. And I, I think, yes, obviously, they're going to charge money for that and things like that, which I have nothing against them for that. But it's uh, if anything, it should just wake Nintendo up and be like, hey, People want to play GameCube games that aren't necessarily easy to come by anymore if you don't have them still. So it, it's something they should look into, personally. It, it should wake them up, but obviously we know Nintendo isn't always the most consumer-friendly and can be very litigious. Meanwhile, the reason they took it down is a little dumbfounding. But who knows? It's fucking stupid, if you ask me. Anyway, let's move on to the next story. How about this? No surprise here, The Witcher 3 has now sold over 50 million copies. No surprise there. It is a great game. People love it. 
pushes consoles and PCs to their limits. I, I am not surprised. Uh, Sega has announced a new game summer summit for RGG develop, uh, Studio. They're the studio behind the Like a Dragon games, formerly known as the Yakuza games. Uh, that is set for June 15th. Most people are expecting them to release uh, a trailer or something in regards to Like a Dragon 8, Yakuza 8, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And then one of the most beautiful looking PlayStation 5 games, uh, a game I platinumed, the only game I've platinumed so far, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart is heading to PC. Can't wait to see what modders do with that. Uh, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart heading to PC uh, sometime this year. So if you don't have a PlayStation 5 or you haven't had a chance to play it, it's probably going to look even better on PC, which is crazy to say because, that, like I said, that game is gorgeous. The, the level of fidelity on that game and the polygon count, and, and I know you don't hear me talk about stuff like that often, but that game is a beautiful game. Yes, it's fun. Yes, it's, it's an easy game. Yes, it's mostly for kids. It is a beautiful, beautiful game. Beautiful game. Uh, and that's coming to PC. Uh, both Microsoft and PlayStation have announced their free games of the month with their respective online services. On Xbox, games with gold this month are Adios and The Veil, Shadow of the Crown. Over on PS Plus, you have NBA 2K23, Trek to Yomi, and then Jurassic World Evolution 2. If you guys like Park Builder Sims, if you played the first Jurassic World Evolution, never got to the second one, I would definitely recommend picking this game up. It features uh, new play modes, chaos mode, that you can like relive some of the movies. It has content that goes up to Jurassic World Dominion, which is the most recent film. I highly, highly recommend it, especially if you love Jurassic Park. So those are your free games on both platforms. Uh, Konami has released more information in regards to that Metal Gear Solid 3 remake. Uh, no, Kojima is not involved in the remake in any capacity. No surprise there. I think we kind of all expected that. And uh, they're not using any new voiceover. So they're going to be using the original voiceover lines from the original game. That's kind of surprising. I mean, not always. Remakes some, not all remakes get fully new voiceover, right? Sometimes they'll just use the original. Sometimes they won't. Usually in remakes like this style, though, where it's like a full-on remake, they usually do get either new actors or the original actors to voice the roles again. But it's Konami. So, no surprise from them. Uh, CD Projekt Red has announced that they will be winding down development on Gwent, which has led to the uh, laying off of 30 people at the studio, which is unfortunate. I don't know what the economy is like in Poland, so I, I can't say anything to that. Um, but we also heard rumblings this week that Sony may purchase CD Projekt Red and the studio head, and I think the or head of the studio, whatever you want to call the person at the top of CD Projekt Red was like, no, we're not being, uh, we're not being bought out. We're not being acquired. That's not happening, right? Like those are just rumors and they'll stay rumors. So it's good to hear that CD Projekt Red will not be purchased by anyone. I do think the Polish government has a stake in them. So I don't think you could, I don't think they could be bought out by another company, to be honest. And then our biggest game news of the week. Well, not biggest. I don't, I don't know why I said biggest. It's not biggest. It's not. It's just the last gaming story of the week. Uh, a major developer at uh, World of, for World of Warcraft at Blizzard will be leaving, uh, be leaving the studio. They, uh, they have announced that um, Brian Holinka, who was a designer... For at least the last 11 years at Blizzard on World of Warcraft has le is leaving. Uh, he's going to be go joining Greg Ghostcrawler Street and forming a new game studio. And uh, so they've both been there for about 11 years. Uh, Street left just a few months ago. He was the executive producer on uh, the League of Legends MMO. So he was at Riot. So... 
two big names in in the gaming industry are leaving their respective companies to form a new studio. So I'm sure whatever they concoct will be loved by many. That's it for gaming, though. Let's head on over to what's going on in TV. Not a whole lot, surprisingly, given the writer's strike. But anyway... So as I stated before the break there, yes, the Writer's Strike of America, Writer's Guild of America strike is ongoing, so not a whole lot of TV news going on. That's also the summer, so a lot of shows take their breaks. Uh, I do want to talk about the Flash finale that aired last week. It, it, it was good, but it had a lot of potential. The episode where Oliver returned a few weeks prior, in my opinion, was a lot better. I think they mishandled the return of some of the villains. Um, because, yes, they were back, but they got very limited screen time. Uh, Savitar got bundled the worst. Um, Zoom, jeez, man. Like, my other issue, they didn't bring back Cisco or some other characters that have been on the show for a long time. It would have been a great way to bring back, you know, Victor Martin as, uh, as, as um, Professor Stein. Uh, you could have brought him back. Yes, Wally was there. Some version of Wells was there, but there were things that, in my opinion, I don't know if it was a product of time or contracts or something, but it it, it was jarring to especially to not have Cisco back. Like of all people to not bring back, Cisco not being there was the biggest one, where it was like, whoa, this is not, this is not cool. Um, I can't remember the actor's name, but he was the other half of Firestorm. For a long time on Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. Would have been great to bring him back in, in some capacity. Uh, or like I said, Dr. Stein, uh, Victor uh, Victor Garber. I don't know what I said before, but Victor Garber. It, it, yes, there was a voice cameo from him in one of the episodes. But it just overall, it didn't feel great. Um, it, was, it, it did have a nice end though. Uh, with three new speedsters being introduced and... Barry opening up more and and all that. Um, I, I I didn't hate it. It wasn't ber- perfect. It was like a solid seven and a half because it was still fun and great to see all the, the past villains back. The weird thing they did though with the reverse flash where they've had, you know, Tom Cavanaugh playing him or or um God, why can't I think of the other actor's name? I'm failing in actors' names tonight, but he he they've had him play reverse flash like they've had both of them play reverse flash this season it's been it's weird and i don't like when they do it they like have him there and then they don't have him there it's it's very jarring sometimes but then we learned though from the showrunner that they wanted to do a blackest night crossover for the final season for the final episodes but it looked and it would have brought in some other stuff from the arrowverse but i i guess dc put the kibosh on that or CW did, or Warner, someone did, and um, they it, it was supposed to be a full season. If they had gotten a season 10 before it had been axed, uh, they wanted to do, like I said, a Blackest Night crossover. So Blackest Night, if you don't know, is a comics DC event where um, Necron, who wields the Black Power Ring, which is like the power of death, kind of takes over the DC universe, similar to what Deceased was in the last few years. Um, so they, they, they kind of teased it with Deathstorm, who is a big Blackest Night character. So Wallace said, quote, back in season eight, we set up the Blackest Night storyline with Deathstorm. Uh, when Deathstorm was defeated, the emotional vibrations went all the way back to the netherverse and another dimension to Necron, who's right out of the DC, out of the comic books. I wanted to have one final big, huge, epic crossover getting everybody, if you're on a show or not, back together for that storyline, what would have allowed me to do is bring back characters that are dead, unquote. Uh, so like I said, Blackest Nights from 2009. So it's uh, the main reason, I don't know, they, they wanted to bring even shows from like Stargirl, Titans, things like that. Um, you know, David Ramsey, who plays Diggle in the show, was always teased as as being a... Um, analogous to, you know, he was supposed to be a Green Lantern that was teased in the show. But if they had gotten a season 10, he also said, quote, that's one of the crazy things that have been hinting at, which 
is very tied with the Cronarch. We've been hinting at the Cronarch would be back in some way as early as Season 7 when Abracadabra mentions to Barry, the Cronarch is coming and is going to mess up your life. It has to do with Barry and Iris because eternity is falling apart and forever is getting taken away. That would have kicked off Season 10 with a couple of special guest stars that we would have seen, unquote. So it would have been something, I guess, the Forever War. And, uh, oh, Abracadabra, David Delmast, Dast Malkian would have been back. I like him. Um, I guess it's been teased a lot. But they they had to get a lot shorted done because season nine was what? I think it was like 15 episodes. It wasn't a full season. And um, it's uh, interesting. Oh, that's, I remember. There was stuff from season eight that were, um, there was stuff that they teased in season eight because I caught up on that recently and it just kind of dropped the ball in the final season on that. Oh, see, he would have brought back other people. He wanted to bring back, uh, Jordan Fisher as as their future son Bart, who's been all but missing in the final season. He wanted to bring Chantel Van Satin uh, back as Patty Spivet, Tom Felton's Julian Albert back. So it, it's it's there was a lot of stuff they could have done in the final season, and because I think it was so short, they didn't get a chance to, uh, or that would have been in a season ten potentially. But the Arrowverse is has, is gone, and. Uh, it went out on, on a semi-high note, so that, that, that was good. Uh, Netflix, of course, we talked about last week, had started to uh, start its password-sharing crackdown here in the United States. Well, in no surprise, the different uh, streaming services took their pot shots at, uh, at Netflix, uh, including the Prime Video UK account, which uh, they they tweeted out who's watching, and uh, it was a, a picture of like everyone you can share, and it's literally everyone who has our password, like the different profiles on an account. And they quote tweeted the famous Netflix tweet from 2017, quote unquote, "Love is sharing a password." <laughs> yeah, uh, even the new blockbuster Twitter account t- took a shot. At uh, Netflix, it it was it yeah. It's I wonder what num what their numbers are going to be when uh, when this really starts rolling out across the board fully. We'll see. Uh, Casey Bloys, who is the head of HBO, um, has uh, oh no, sorry, head of drama Francesca Orsi, not head of HBO, was speaking with Deadline. And was talking in regards to House of the Dragon. Uh, And she did say, quote, It hasn't been finalized yet. It's still under discussion. George and Ryan are going to meet after the writer's strike. They had originally planned to meet before the strike took place. And that was to figure out at what point the series itself was going to end. Is it four seasons? I don't think from where I sit at this point it will be any less than four, but could be more. We'll see, quote unquote. Obviously we knew... um, that the show would take at least four seasons. George R. R. Martin said so in his own blog post last year. It would take four seasons of ten episodes each. We could be getting more. Again, it is not, it's not a, a, a full book like some of other Martin's books, but it would take time to tell the full story of that war that uh, goes on between the two, uh, the two factions. We also learned that the Jon Snow show is not 100% greenlit at HBO. Uh, it's still up in the air. It's not, it hasn't been fully greenlit. Uh, and that the Dunk and Egg show, or the Hedge Knight, whatever they want to call it, will be at least three seasons long. It looks like HBO has given the go-ahead on at least three seasons of that show. So another show that ended this past week, Succession, ended on Sunday. I loved the ending. The final season has been... It, it's Everything has finally come to a culmination, to a head. And a lot of people are saying everyone got what they deserved on the finale. I, I kind of see that. Um, I, I don't necessarily like what, what Shiv did. Um, she kind of just turned her back. They, they had this great bonding moment. A lot of people point out, it's like they, the, 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 the kids had... This amazing bonding moment in in this final episode, 
And then they all still kind of turned on each other at the end. But my only concern is with Kendall. Obviously, he's focused his life on, on one thing and one thing only, and it was viciously ripped away from him at the end. Um, Roman seems to be okay. Uh, I would love a spinoff show about about Greg and Tom because that that would just that would be perfect in itself. Uh, I we a lot of people were thought Greg would maybe come out on top. It seems like he he didn't as much as as people thought. the The weird thing to me in the in the finale was the character played by um, Skarsgård, and uh, he he kind of like he's been playing this weird aloof even though he's not really an aloof character, but he's he's kind of played this like out of touch, like nonchalant guy all season. And then when it came down to the wire, he kind of like finally woke up and like acted like the character we all thought he he was uh, given the past few seasons, right? So it, it's, it's weird that this whole time he's like, yeah, whatever, I don't care, and ooh, whatever, kind of still shit. And then... When it comes down to it, it's like he finally wakes up and it's like, no, we need to do this shit now kind of stuff. And I was like, well, there he is. I've been wondering what's been going on. Where where was this guy been all season? But but no, it, it, it is a great, great, great episode. It was a great season. Still, honestly, Succession is one of the best shows that's been on TV in a long time. If you guys haven't watched it, you need to. Um, it, it is, it is an amazing, an amazing, amazing show. It, it, there's, there's so many ways to describe it and it, it, it just gives you an insight into like, obviously it's, it's hyped up drama, but an insight into like how like the uber wealthy might live or react to situations. But it's, it's, if you haven't watched it and you love HBO dramas, you need to watch it because it's amazing. Um, it actually drew the highest number of viewers for an episode of Succession. 2.9 million viewers on Sunday night for the finale. So definitely watch. Check it out. Or if you need to catch up on the season, you should sooner rather than later. Uh, Righteous Gemstones, another great HBO show, will return on June 18th. That is a comedy from Danny McBride. It is the third season, I think, of the show where they play like like a southern preachers kids so over the top so hilarious and then a new season of curb is coming no release date uh and then final bit in tv news here this is interesting an all-female version of the office is getting made in australia surprisingly australia hasn't made their own version of the of the office to date so the office has had a lot of different versions made of it across the across the world uh australia usually does their own versions as well if they don't just watch the bbc version but a remake is this is going to be a full australian version and it will be female-led and prime video australia has ordered it so it's going to be on amazon prime in australia i'm sure it's going to get done here in the released here in the u.s so via deadline uh stand-up comedian felicity ward will be the lead role uh, playing Hannah Howard. She will be the manager of a packaging company, Finley Craddock. And, uh, ooh, it's going to have a remote work spin. That's fun. So, <laughs> it's uh, apparently the, the premise is, quote, the series will have a remote work spin as Howard tries to keep her work family together after learning that corporate plans to shut down her branch and move everyone to at-home setups, quote-unquote. Uh, the rest of the cast includes Edith Poor, Steen Raskopoulos, Shari Sevens, Josh Thompson, Johnny Brug, Pallavi Sharda, Susan Ling Young, Raj Lebade, Lucy Schmidt, and Faras Durrani. I don't know who any of these people are. Maybe you do. I don't follow a lot of Australian media. So this is uh, going to be... Oh... I wonder, uh, I wonder what, what's going to happen, though. We'll see if it, if it plays well. You know how people are about The Office, both the English and British versions. But that is it for TV. 
Uh, let's head on over to see what's going on in the other half of Hollywood, shall we? All right, so what's going on in Hollywood, huh? Well, we learned that the Transformers 1 animated movie, which was expected next July, has been delayed till next September. Just a two-month delay. No big issues there. We got a new trailer for the Barbie movie, which is technically the final trailer. And it is interesting. It gets very, very meta. And explains kind of why Barbie, Barbie goes to the real world. It shows off more of Will Ferrell, who is the, the CEO of Mattel, apparently. He seems to be playing a similar role to President Business that he did in the Lego movie. I have no issue there. But it, it's it's this movie is going to be way better than I think everyone is giving it credit for. And I said this before. I'll say it again. It also looks like the Kens are going to take over Barbie world while, while, while Barbie is gone. Which is a wild concept to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Th th those are some words I never thought I would ever say out of my mouth. Ken is taking over Barbie world uh, with, with main Barbie and main Ken out of the picture, apparently. So, yeah, that's a thing. Never thought I'd utter the words, Barbie looks good. The movie, the movie. Um, Tarantino has opened up about his next film and essentially given, given details on it. He says that... Uh, the subject of the movie film will... It is going to be called The Movie Critic. Uh, this is via Deadline. He was talking at the Cannes Film Festival. And while we thought it was going to be on a New York New Yorker critic, Pauline Kael, uh, the he's given it as a... It's actually going to be around a second-string critic who wrote for a 70s porno rag magazine. He wouldn't reveal the name that it was... But it's going to be a very funny movie... Uh, he wrote like he was 55, but he was only in his early, early to mid-30s, quote-unquote from Tarantino. So, this, this is the next movie we're going to get. It looks like it's being set in L.A. Um, he hasn't decided who he's casting yet, but it is in pre-pre-production. He needs a new leading man. Um, he said his main go-tos are too old. So, we'll see what happens with this new Tarantino film as it enters pre-production, pre as Tarantino calls it. Uh, Kevin Feige was being asked about Marvel Studios and, and everything that's been going on with it. So he sat down with John Favreau to celebrate the 15th anniversary of the first uh, Iron Man film. You can watch that whole interview on YouTube, uh, on the Marvel Entertainment YouTube page. And uh, Kevin Feige pretty much said that, uh, quote, I remember sitting down with Robert and I was like, he just got it. And he's that spark. He's got that spark in him and his eye and he's ready, quote unquote. Okay, that was John Favreau. And Feige said, quote, I remember on later movies, we'll talk about them on the 15th anniversary of those. There were dark days. I would say to Robert, we wouldn't be in this mess if it wasn't for you. Meaning we wouldn't have a studio if it wasn't for him or you, unquote. Uh, saying that to John Favreau. So essentially, no surprise, right? No surprise at all. Kevin Feige is a pr pretty much saying that the MCU exists today because of Robert Downey Jr. being cast as Iron Man and leading the way with that first film 15 years ago. And I don't think anyone would try to argue that. I'm certainly not. Uh, I'm sure many other people I know would not. It, like... Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man at the, at this point. So it makes sense that Kevin Feige knows that and understands that and the, owes a great deal of success to that first Iron Man movie as well. Um, speaking of Marvel movies and actors in them, Elizabeth Olsen was getting candid and uh, on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. So people have reached out for advice to her about signing with Marvel. And uh, she said, quote, just give them one. I think that way you have more control over if you, let's say you're like, oh my god, this isn't the most fun I've ever had. And this is the most fun I've ever had, and I love this character so much, I wanted to do it again. You now have more creative control for the next one. Uh, don't tell David Galuzzi I said that. He's business affairs at Marvel, quote unquote. So, 
essentially, uh, Kevin Feige's come out and said stuff that's different for every project, but remember in the beginning, a lot of actors were signing like seven movie deals, uh, regardless of their capacity in those films. But I, I like what she's saying, uh, right? It's like some people like only give them one. It's, you can view it as negative. But no, in, in reality, it's like, no, you're being a little more... Um, you, you're giving yourself a little more control over over how your career is going, right? So you don't necessarily want to sign on for all these movies and you end up hating the first one or the first role. But in reality, like, what if you love it, like she said? Then maybe you can give a little bit more pushback on how the next one goes or how you'll portray the character, things like that. And I'm kind of getting those vibes from Brie Larson and how she's coming off uh, for the second um, Miss Captain Marvel movie. So I like what Brie, or what, not Brie, what, uh, what Elizabeth is saying here. She's smart. She doesn't necessarily want to give up on playing Wanda, but she isn't necessarily ready to come back yet. So I, I like that dynamic that she's proposing, especially to new people that might be signing up for new projects in the MCU. So just a few weeks after we heard that John Wick 5 might not necessarily happen or it was going to be discussed over a bottle of whiskey and a trip to Japan, the head of Lionsgate Studios has said in a earnings call for the studio, quote, and so we're building out the world and when that fifth movie comes, it will be organic. We'll be organically grown out of how we're starting to tell those stories, but you can rely on a regular cadence of John Wick, quote unquote. Uh, he also said, Quote, what is official is that, as you know, Ballerina is the first spinoff that comes out next year. We're in development on three others, including John Wick 5 and including television series The Continental, unquote. So, it looks like we are for sure getting a John Wick 5. I didn't think that it was going to happen so quickly. But The Continental Show is coming to Peacock in September, starring Mel Gibson. Uh, Ballerina is a film starring Anna de Armas, and it is a spinoff of that about the Rusca Roma, and that is coming out next June. Uh, Holly Berry says she might get a spinoff movie. We don't know about that, but it looks like we might actually be getting a John Wick 5. If you guys listen to my review, if you've seen it, you know that the door is left open for a fifth film, regardless of how the fourth one ended. So as long as it's done properly and done well, I, I really think that it, it can turn out good. The Little Mermaid won the box office this past weekend on its release weekend. No surprise there. It took in $117.5 million over the four-day Memorial Day weekend. And uh, it had $95.4 million domestic. Uh, internationally, though, it took in $68.2 million uh, over the three-day weekend. A global total of $185.8 million. So, while it is doing well here in the U.S., overseas, like as you guys can see, was not, um, not, uh, not as big as people were hoping. So via deadline, the live-action movie did not bring in the overseas money that they were hoping for. So, while uh, that's, that's rare for some of these movies... So they're hoping for a break-even, I guess, now, based on the, the returns. But it was a $250 million production cost, $140 million global marketing. So they would need to make $400 million total for it not to be uh, a total loss or for a break-even point. But it looks like it's, it's not the return Disney was hoping for. A lot of people are calling it one of their best live-action remakes, but uh, it's rare for it to rely so heavily on a domestic box office. We don't really see that anymore as, you know, the global box office is, is, is turning into a, a large thing. Like, take Fast X, for example. It, uh, it didn't do as well in it, its second weekend, obviously because of... Um, obviously because of Little Mermaid, but it it could be, um, it it could it could change, right? So we we don't know 
Uh, what's going to happen with Little Mermaid? We'll see if if it's if its returns here in the U.S. domestically can uh, help it succeed. Scorsese has opened up about his next movie. Apparently, he met with the Pope. Yes, the Pontiff, Martin Scorsese, met with Pope Francis, and immediately afterward announced he's making a Jesus movie. And <laughs> so he spoke with the Jesuit publication La Civilta. Catolica, and Georgetown University. And Scorsese said, quote, I've responded to the Pope's appeal to artists in the only way I know how, by imagining and writing a screenplay for a film about Jesus, and I'm about to start making it, unquote. I, I don't even know what that is going to look like, coming from Scorsese. It could be anything, but... Who knows? That that's but with the Pope. Of all people, he met with the Pope. Um The Flash comes out in just a few weeks, and Andy Muschietti, the director of the film, has spoken out in support of Ezra Miller, uh speaking with the Discourse and uh the Discourse podcast and reported on by the playlist, said that uh quote if a sequel happens, yes. I don't think there's anyone that can play the character as well as they did. The other depictions of the character are great, but this particular vision of the character, they just excelled in doing it. And as you said, the two berries, it feels like a character that was made for them. Unquote. Uh, Barbara Muschietti, his, uh, Andy Muschietti's sister, who was a producer, said, quote, In principal photography, Ezra was brilliant and the most committed and the most professional. Ezra gave everything for this role, Physically, creatively, emotionally, they were absolutely supreme, unquote. Uh, look, there's been a lot of things going on with Ezra Miller. They have committed nothing short of war crimes, <laughs> is, is the best way to put that. They, they've committed some heinous acts in the last year, and, and I've had to... I personally, and I've talked about this several times on this podcast, had several conversations with people... I, it, 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 look, you, you got to separate the, the, the person from, from the role sometimes. A lot of people still listen to Michael Jackson, despite everything that happened. A lot of people will still watch Kevin Spacey things in light of certain things that have come out about Kevin Spacey. Uh, obviously in regards to, you know, uh, Cosby, that's a little different. Um, interestingly, I, I don't know how that one, that he's been like full on canceled, which again, he should be. Uh, he's actually been convicted and sent to prison. The other few have not fully been convicted. I mean, Ezra has admitted guilt and is seeking help. Uh, Muschietti says that Ezra is, is doing better. I, I Again, as long as they're getting help, I, I will hold back from being overtly critical of them, uh, that, that it takes a lot for a person to admit fault and get help. Ezra seems to be doing that, I hope. Uh, I will be the first one to criticize them if it comes out that he didn't really get help or do anything or change. So that will be remain to be seen, but pretty much every actor and person who worked on the film has nothing but good things to say about Ezra. So... I don't know if they like flip a switch the minute they leave the set or something, but something's going on with them and, and they clearly needed a lot of help, but it looks like he's got, they've got the right people in their corner to, uh, back them up in their, in their, uh, growth, if you will. Um, anyway, moving forward, how to train your dragon is getting a live action adaptation. I think we spoke about that. A few months ago, well, they've announced a ca their cast, uh, at least for Hiccup and Astrid, who are the two main uh, characters in in the the, the series. So, uh, in the the Black Phones, Mason Thames has been cast as Hiccup, uh, the the main guy, and then the Last of Us's Nico Parker, uh, this has been reported by the Hollywood Reporter and Deadline, has have has been cast as Astrid. So, let's see, yeah, I guess, uh, 
this is interesting. So, uh, Nico Parker was the original is in just a few episodes of The Last of Us on HBO. Played the original da- daughter of Joel's Pedro Pascal's character, and um, interesting. Thames was in the movie The Black Phone. I don't think I've seen that movie, but it is starting. It is expected to start shooting this summer, and is expected to hit theaters sometime in 2025. And this is a story that's kind of like isn't like making the the big rounds as it should be. It came out kind of late in the day too. So um, Amy Pascal, who is the uh, producer of most of the Spider-Man movies, uh, she was at the studio head at Sony for a long time. Speaking with Variety uh, in regards to the release of Across the Spider-Verse on Friday, and was opening up about the next few Spider-Man movies. And uh, so Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, which is the the third Spider-Verse film, comes out next year. Uh, She opened up about the future of Spider-Man and had a pretty wild thing to say, if you ask me. And the fact that no one kind of noticed is also wild. As she said, quote, you'll see all of it. It's all happening. Um, In regards to Spider-Woman movie, she said, quote, sooner than you expected. I cannot tell you yet, but it's coming. Uh, which was added by Avi Arad, who also produces a lot of Spider-Man films. But um, Pascal followed up with, quote, are we going to make another movie? Of course we are. We're in the process, but the writer's strike. Nobody's working during the strike. We're all being supporters, and whenever they'll get themselves together, we'll get started, unquote. And that's in regards to a Tom Holland film. Um, But the biggest thing, when she said, quote, you'll see all of it, it's all happening, unquote, is in regards to a live-action Miles Morales movie. Now, would this be in, in Sony's universe? Would it be in the MCU? Is a question a lot of us will be asking in the, in the, coming, um, in the, in the coming years. But I can say this. The fact that we're getting a, a live-action Miles Morales movie is huge. This is a bigger deal than I... I to quote a certain president... It's a big fucking deal. <laughs> no, it is, realistically. I mean, Miles Morales is new to the Marvel Comics uh, canon in general. Uh, he hasn't been around very long. And the fact that they're going to keep Tom Holland around is a, a bigger deal as well. Uh, so if you don't know the comics, uh, back when the uh, Marvel... Um, Oh God! What was it? Uh, what was that? Uh, oh man, I'm drawing a huge blank. It was the universe of the Marvel comics that looked a lot like the movies. Um, Ultimate Comics. Uh, in that universe, Peter Parker died, and that's how Miles became that universe Spider-Man. He's since been introduced in the main Marvel Comics universe with Secret Wars and things like that. So, it it it. it and obviously with the games, now we have Miles interacting with Peter and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's good to see uh, them. Hopefully it's part of the MCU. I, I will say that. He's been hinted at before in the first Tom Holland film uh, with the character played by uh, Donald Glover hinting at his nephew. Donald Glover uh, played a character who would eventually become the Prowler in the comics universe at least. So... A live-action Miles Morales movie is is very, very requested by the fans. I, I think people will be very excited if this comes to fruition, especially, especially if if they are put in the MCU. I would get Shameik Moore to play him. He, he voices Miles in the Spider-Verse films. Uh, he is a good actor. I, I, I don't know what his capability of, of playing, you know... Uh, stunt heavy characters but we we could see or he might be too old at this point to play to play miles i'm not entirely sure Uh, or they might go with a an an actor who is both uh latino and and african-american right to to fit the the true nature of of miles's character Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens i'm very excited to hear this news uh that is that is kind of the biggest news of the week overall realistically so if we get a live-action Miles Morales, that's fun. Uh, more Tom Holland Spider-Man, which I, I like to hear. 
And then, of course, a animated Spider-Woman movie. It'll be interesting to see if they use the version that's being uh, shown off in Across the Spider-Verse played by Issa Rae. So, uh, not sure what's going to happen with that, but make sure you stick it here to Nick's Nerd News to learn about that when that news hits. Thank you guys uh, for listening this week. That is the end. It has been episode 264 of Nixner News. Today is May 31st. Uh, we're looking forward to June starting tomorrow. Uh, as always, you know, don't forget to check us out on social media, uh, Nixner News or the Nick DeFalco. Check out nixnernews.com where you guys can find ways to subscribe and listen to the show on your own time. And uh, other than that, I will catch you guys next week with a review of Across the Spider-Verse, I promise. So, without anything further, I will catch you guys on the flip side.